let me oh, uh, uh, show my face. Hold on. hold on. You say what now? No, but you're not. You're you're, you're not. Your face not going to be shown. You good, comrade? No, I can't go live through you though. Yeah, but they can't. All right. Well, uh, all right. Well, just come in and we'll find a way to deal with you. So come in on another class then. Okay then. All right. All right. I love you, brother, and I'll talk to you later about that Western Union thing. All right, Panther Love. All right, all power to the people. Be good, safe in that prison, brother. Oh, all right. Go live. All right, we get you off now, brother. We get you off now. Okay, okay. All right, hold on. There you go. So I'm, so I'm live. Well, we're not live yet, but how you disconnect him, comrade? Ah, he left. Yes, he's left. So when you're ready to go, we could go. Let me make sure my face is shown. All right, let's go. You ready? Whenever you're ready, comrade.
there's no audio.
Yeah, and can I just chime in right before we go into the minister? I think I think it's important to talk a little bit about uh, our philosophy of revolutionary intercommunalism. This is what Michael Parenti was hitting at when he said that when people want to take control of their land, labor, resources, and capital, and it's not oriented towards the IMF, the World Bank, or the structural adjustment programs called SAP, then they automatically become hit, uh, uh, put on the hit list uh, by the international ruling cartel, capitalist ruling cartel, to smash that oppositional nation. Revolutionary intercommunalism says that those nations in Asia and Africa, well, let me back up, those flag independent nations in Africa, Asia, and uh, the Caribbean are really communities of exploitation for the rich and powerful around the world. You look at Haiti, it's not a classic type nation. It is set up as a bastion of exploitation by US imperialism. They decide who the president will be. They decide where the currency will go. Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton are primarily responsible for the current chaos there. So they don't have any independence. Uh, uh, independence for them means a black face in a high place. And that same paradigm is across the world. So that's why we call those communities reactionary uh, communities, you know, because they're controlled by our oppressors. The economy is controlled by our oppressors. But revolutionary intercommunalism means we're going to lock arms, like Michael Parenti talked about, in a revolutionary fashion with all those oppressed nations and peoples around the world to fight this common enemy. And I want comrades to understand that we have a common enemy. Despite the nationalist trends that are on the rise around the world, Europe have swung towards the right with the election of fascist uh, 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 governments or the emerging of powerful fascist forces on the street. Europe have certainly swung to the right uh, with this fascist war in Ukraine. Uh, we have it here, right here in North. I mean, excuse me, right here in America. You know, we got fascism in the streets. They're studying, they, they're taking up arms. You got fascism in the Democratic and Republican Party. So you got to make that international connection. And that's what Michael Parenti was talking about. And I wanted to just talk on that briefly. Uh, and that's it, uh, out to the people. power to the people can you can you uh make those words uh bigger and i start i start with Huey. if you can make the words a little bit bigger you see i'm wearing glasses 
Okay. But I think let me see. Let me see if I can take it from here. Let me see see if my eyes are still good. Huey P. Newton was born in Monroe, Louisiana. His parents moved to Oakland, California during Newton's childhood. He taught himself to read at the graduating high school without being able to. He attended a variety of schools, including Merritt College, before eventually earning a bachelor's degree and a PhD from the University of California at Santa Cruz. During his tenure at Merritt College, Newton joined the Afro-American Association and played a role in getting the first African-American history course adopted into the college's curriculum. And, and, and you know why? Think about this too, comrade, that this African-American association didn't come because the college agreed through a petition that they should establish it. It came through a nasty, tough fight with the local deans and leaders of these universities. And to establish at that time, and this particular African-American association, the name was an advancement, because you know, we were still calling ourselves Negroes then. But the content that the African-American association pushed ended up being counter-revolutionary, and the cat that led it, Donald Weems, ended up marrying into local political politics. People could read all about that and Huey P. Newton's revolutionary suicide. But yeah, that was the first time. All power to the people. Soon after, in October 1966, he and Bobby Seale founded the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. Seale became the chairman and Newton became the Minister of Defense. The Black Panther Party was an African-American left-wing organization working for the right of self-defense for African-Americans in the United States. Many of the beliefs were influenced by Malcolm X and his views. The party's political goals, which were outlined in the 10-point program, included better housing, jobs, and education. My eyes have got bad. They believed that violence, or at least the threat of violence, may be needed to bring about social change. You better believe it. You better believe it. And that's important that young people who are coming into the revolution don't get bogged down in the illegalities of capitalist 
politics, meaning constitutional demonstrations, petitions. You don't look for solutions within the enemy structure. You look at our revolutionary leaders and you see how they applied the mass line to mobilizing for revolution. And that's very important because the enemy is always going to slow us up, if not outright um, murder us. So at the beginning of the insurgency, there need to be some latent threat of violence. And we don't say violence in a reckless sense. We don't say violence in a hurt somebody sense. Violence in the sense that if the pig put his hands on one of us, we're going to put our hands collectively on the pig. That only means that we're going to march on Washington. We're going to march on Chicago. We're going to march on Philadelphia. We're going to hit these places with the bodies and, and, and the souls and the spirit of the people letting them know that we're not going to tolerate the abuse and exploitation of the people. That's what uh, a violence and social justice movements is all about. Lulu wouldn't be in power right now if the social justice movement didn't have the capacity to threaten the ruling class in Brazil that if you don't have fear and fair elections, we're going to take to the streets. And that's why the left wing in Brazil ruling class conceded that, first of all, he should be let out of prison. And second of all, he should be giving a fair opportunity to run against Bolsonaro, who was the darling of the right wing. So we got to look at it from that point of view. You know, but the bottom line, the bottom line is, comrades, that the people determine our legitimacy, not constitutional new demonstrations, not petitions, and certainly not begging, but looking at Mao, looking at Che Guevara, looking at uh, Kwame Nkrumah, Amakar Cabral, Asada Shakur, uh, uh, these leaders as our template on how to get rid of oppression. That's all I wanted to say, comrade, all power to the people. Well, 
All power to the people. All power to the people. All power to the people.
<laughs> oh, power to the people. Yeah, and then that's important because when you look at the strategy uh, of pantherism, it talks about transforming the oppressed communities into base areas of social, cultural, and political power. That's a spinoff of the Marxist Leninist Maoist concept of dual and contending power. Dual and contending power means that if the enemy has the capacity to uh, feed 500 people but choose to feed only 150 uh, then the leadership that is seeking to fill that void must go into that community and attempt to address the need the food needs of the people and once you establish whether it's a garden whether it's a food distribution center or it's a simple uh, uh, handing out food to the needy, you're building dual and containing power. That's in direct opposition to uh, the, the enemy's lack of feeding the community. Or look at it in a different way. If you got a house in a community that is abandoned and the owner of the property is a bank, and in this rundown, dilapidated community, or on a reservation, because I want to make sure I speak to my indigenous brothers and sisters that are part of this movement. Uh, the brothers and sisters that are homeless, get they can organize themselves into an implacable force to take over that abandoned space and turn it into a co-op where they now have, have uh, a, a space that is stress-free of the harshness of the world. They have a place where they can lay their heads, they can 
uh, talk to one another, be vulnerable, and also build and develop relationships. That's important. And if the enemy don't want to give you that space, you have to develop it yourself. That's dual and contending power. It's in direct opposition to the landlords, the real estate companies, the slumlords, the governments that want to make sure housing remain a commodity value. So when you build a project in your community and it's connected to a revolutionary idea, that's building an institution. You know, it could just be giving out some clothes and you do it consistently over time. Other people get involved. That's an institution. You don't need to be validated by the halls of power. Uh, you don't need to have your stuff in Macy or you don't need to have your stuff uh, sanctioned by the government in order to take care of the people. So that's very important. Building base areas right now where we at with what we what little resources we have because we can get to the big stage but it must first start with what we got right now oh power to the people so are you want i'll go ahead and read the second one we want we want full employment for our people we believe that the federal government is responsible and obligated to give every man employment or a guaranteed income. We believe that the American businessman will not give full employment. Then, excuse me, we believe that the American businessmen will not give full employment. Then the technology and means of production should be taken from the businessmen and placed in the community so that the people of the community can organize and employ all of his people and give a high standard of living. That's what I just got finished talking about. All power to the people. Uh, so I point number three. And let me say, uh, at, uh, we're going to open this up to questions. Uh, so comrades, uh, just be mindful. Uh, we just want to get through the, uh, the PowerPoint presentation. Point number three, we want an end to the robbery by the capitalists of our black and oppressed communities. We believe that the that this racist government has robbed us, and now we're demanding the overdue debt of 40, 40 acres and two mules. 40 acres and two mules were promised 100 years ago as restitution for slave labor and mass murder of black people. We will accept the payment and currency, which will be distributed to our many communities. The American racist has taken part in the slaughter of over 50 million black people. Therefore, we feel that this is a modest, small, small demand that we make. Point number four. We want decent housing fit for the shelter of human beings. We believe that if the landlords will not give decent housing to our black and oppressed communities, then the housing and the land should be made into cooperatives so that our community with government aid can build and make decent housing for its people. Point number five, we want an education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society. We want an education that teaches us our true history and our role in the present day society. We believe in an educational system 
that will give our people a knowledge of self. If a man does not have knowledge of himself and herself and his or her position in society and the world, then he, her, has little chance to relate to anything else. Point number six. We want completely free health care for all black and oppressed people. We think that the government must provide free of charge for the people, health facilities, which will not only treat our illnesses, most of which have come about as a result of our oppression, but which will also develop preventive medical programs to guarantee our future survival. We believe that mass health education and research programs must be developed to give all black and oppressed people access to advanced scientific and medical information. So we may provide ourselves with proper medical attention and care. Point number seven. All power to the people. Yes, you can, comrade. Go ahead. All power to the people. Oh, Point number seven, we want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people, other people of color, all oppressed people inside the United States. Can you hear me? all power to the people. We believe that the racist and fascist government of the United States uses its domestic enforcement agencies to carry out its program of oppression against black people, other people of color, and poor people inside the United States. We believe it is our right, therefore, to defend ourselves against such armed forces and that all black and oppressed people should be armed for self-defense for our homes and communities against these fascist police forces. And let me say that uh, uh, briefly, that this is not a, uh, 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 an anachronism, uh, uh, that the right to self-determination for all oppressed people springs out of the idea that they can develop amongst themselves a political, economic, social, educational, and military apparatus to defend the integrity and dignity of oppressed people. And that principle of self-determination is very important. All oppressed people know that if they do not practice self-defense, they're going to be back on the slave plantation or in feudalism and or in a concentration camp somewhere because the same power 
powers that is responsible for the decadence, the misery, the horrible reality that we live on, that we live under around the world are still in power. Their children are a little bit more hipper. You may see them in a hip hop magazine. You may see Donald Trump's daughter styling the latest dress out of Macy's, but they are still connected to an international cartel of murderers and thieves that begun this sojourn in 1492 when Christopher Columbus set about to find Asia or India. So we got to remember, comrades, that if we're serious about revolution, they're going to come a point where you're going to have to spit on the enemy. They're going to come a point where you're going to have to push the enemy out of your face. They're going to come a point where you're going to have to defend your daughter or your brother from the baton that the police hit upside their head. They're going to come a time when the police invade your house and put guns against your mother uh, illegally. And you're going to have to defend yourself. We're not saying we're at that point yet. We're saying that if anybody crossed the threshold to hurt you and your family, you have the right to defend yourself by being born a human being. So don't let nobody get you caught up in this bag of nonviolence or believing in the enemy power structure that their institutions will ameliorate or arbitrate the conditions in our community community. No, their, their institutions will continue to repress our community. And that's a different way of looking at the police force. You don't look at them as heroes. You look at them as occupiers, a long continuation of Robert Peel's design in the 1800s to professionalize uh, armed force to keep the haves and the have-nots separated. That's the purpose of a police. I don't want to hear my brothers are police, so I, I like, I love them. Or my sisters are police. Okay, your brother may be a police or a correctional officer. That's all well and fine, but that does not obliterate the reality that the police force here and around the world primarily serve in the capacity of occupiers as an arm of the rich and powerful, the colonizer, the militarists. That's the purpose of a police force. All power to the people. Point number eight. We want an immediate end to all wars of aggression. We believe that the various conflicts which exist around the world stem directly from the aggressive desire of the U.S. ruling circle and government to force its domination upon the oppressed people of the world. We believe that the U.S., excuse me, we believe that the U.S. government or its lackeys do not cease their aggressive wars, that it, that it is the right of the people to defend themselves by any means necessary against their aggressors. We talked about that, so I'm not going to repeat what I said uh, on the previous point seven. Point number nine. We want freedom for all black and poor oppressed people now held in U.S. federal, state, county, city, military prisons and jails. We want trials by jury of peers for all persons charged with so-called crimes under the laws of this enemy country. We believe that the many black and poor oppressed people now held in U.S. prisons and jails have not received fear 
and impartial trials under a racist and fascist judicial system. That's right, under a racist and fascist judicial system. Not just a racist system, but a fascist judicial system. And should be free from incarceration. We believe in, we believe in the ultimate elimination of, of all wretched inhuman penal institutions. I apologize, brothers and sisters, my eyes is not as sharp as they used to be when I was a bit younger. Because the masses of men and women in prison inside the United States or by, or by the U.S. military are victims. Catch this now. The masses of the people in prison are victims of oppressive conditions, which is the real cause of their imprisonment. <laughs> Catch that. Catch that. They are in prison because of oppressive conditions, not because they are genetically predisposed to commit crime. Poor people don't wake up overnight and say, let me go and commit a crime so I could go into a prison cell. It's material conditions, material reality, a lack of jobs, lack of food. That stuff contributes and perpetuate crime. Poverty perpetuate crime. And poor oppressed people end up in the enemy's prison as a result of that. We believe that when persons are brought to trial, oh, I apologize, Conrad, let me just, uh, finish that last line. No, it's okay. Uh, we believe that when persons are brought to trial, they should, excuse me, they should be afforded attorneys of their choice and freedom from imprisonment while awaiting trial. And I think some of the bail reform movement achieved that part where they got a lot of cats that come home now for petty crime, especially in some of those Southern states where they used to lock you up just for walking in the street. You, then you got to pay a hefty fine to get out of jail. Now, that's still happening, but there have been some advancement in trying to cut down on and poor people these big bells. But that's being rolled back now uh, under the uh, Jim Crow Biden uh, administration. But we could go on to point uh, number 10, which is a summary. This is a summarization of all of the points. We want land, bread, housing, education, clothing, justice, peace, and people's community control of modern technology. And so brothers and sisters, comrades, the Black Panther Party under the leadership of Newton gained international support. This was most demonstrated when Newton was invited to visit China in 1970. Catch that, that's a big, that is man, that got to be one of the highest revolutionary tributes paid to Huey P. Newton to meet Mao Zedong before the counter-revolution. Well, he didn't get to meet Mao, but because Mao was sick, but to meet the leaders, the gang of four around Mao, I know Huey, that was, I mean, if Huey died right there, he probably would have been satisfied with that reality of meeting Comrade Mousy Tongue, man. You know, that is, that is a beautiful thing right there. At every airport that Huey arrived in, Newton was greeted by thousands of people waving copies of the 
Little Red Book <laughs> and displaying signs supporting the BPP and criticizing U.S. imperialism. All power to the people. Huey Newton was tried for a variety of violent offenses, such as an assault and multiple murders. These charges resulted in him fleeing to Havana, Cuba, to escape persecution for three years. Upon his return, he stood trials for one or more assault and murder. No, for one more assault and murder and was acquitted of both charges. This was in 1974. In 1989, Newton was fatally shot in West Oakland by a member of the Black Gorilla family. His name is Tyrone Robinson, a drug dealer by the name of Tyrone Robinson, exactly. Relations between the Black Panther Party and the Black Gorilla family had been strained for nearly 20 years prior to this incident. Now, let me stop here. Uh, if Conrad was on the prior uh, uh, class, with George Jackson study class, I talked a lot about the politics of the Black Gorilla family from 1966 up until 1971 when Jonathan Jackson, the younger brother of George Jackson, invaded Marin County Courthouse and was martyred. And I talked about how, how uh, David Hilliard wrote in his book, This Side of the Glory, who was the chief of staff for the Black Panther Party, that when he entered the prison, there was a threat on his life because members of the BGF felt like Huey P. Newton held back Panthers that can go and help Jonathan Jackson on the day that he invaded the courthouse, which was uh, in 1970. And that led to a lot of infighting, that led to a lot of bad blood because the Black Gorilla family was and the well initially developed as the black family by George Jackson when he met Huey P. Newton and Huey uh, was in prison in 67 they began exchanging letters and stuff like that and he developed the black gorilla family and brought that within the Black Panther Party as a cadre-based organization. The specific purpose of the BGF at that time was to send out comrades that will go into military service to defend a poor and oppressed people. Now, I don't want to get off track, but that's a big, big study. So you may see it here where it said tensions were strained for 20 years. That is an important part of our history, and I'm going to teach on that uh, in the coming weeks and stuff like that. But I just wanted to mention that so comrades don't be left in the dark as to what we mean by the tensions between the Black Panther Party and the Black Gorilla family in the 70s. The murder occurred at the Newton left a crack house in the neighborhood where Newton had, had once organized social programs. Newton's last words were, quote, you can kill my body and you can take my life, but you can never kill my soul. My soul will live forever, unquote. 
Robinson then shot Newton twice in the face. Huey P. Newton is buried right now, brothers and sisters, at Evergreen Cemetery in Oakland. Tyrone Robinson was convicted and sentenced to 32 years in prison. Now, consequently, Tyrone Robinson, as an aside, brothers and sisters, devoted his life to studying the ideological or political line of Huey Newton. So he has wrote stuff around Huey's theories and he has made an attempt to try to redeem himself, but he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a wanted man, you know, but I just wanted to put that part in there to let you know what he's doing in prison right now is writing stuff on Huey P. Newton. And, you know, I guess, you know, trying to show folk that, he made a big mistake, which he did. And he knew he made a big mistake. But go ahead, comrade. All power to the people. All power to the people. Right on. Right on. Smart man. <laughs> man, I can't even graduate doing uh my math uh, class at college right now. That's what's holding me back, let alone engineering, please. Woo. Oh, power, no doubt.
Yeah. And you see how powerful Malcolm's ideas were on the youth at the time, even though Malcolm didn't know he was making that impact. You know, think about that. Malcolm, Malcolm was up against the whole machine that were painting his narrative as criminal, as inflammatory, as anti-white. And they were, but he was making breakthroughs in the urban areas. The militants, the young people in the urban areas were, uh, 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 they were listening to Malcolm X. But he didn't know he was making an impact on Huey when they, and, 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 and these future Huey P. Newtons, these future uh, 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 Al, uh, uh, Jamil Alamein's, Mumia Abu Jamal's. He just did the work. And, and Huey P. Newton and the Black Panther Party picked up the banner that was dropped on April the 21st, excuse me, February the 21st, 1965 when the CIA murdered Malcolm X. That's why they said Malcolm is the spiritual father of the Black Panther Party. We are the sons and daughters of Malcolm X. And that still holds true to this day. All power to the people. Classic, classic, classic. Oh, power to the people. In the movement, right, they got a saying, uh, well, back then, and, and we need to popularize it right now. Uh, they started saying after this book came out, it says, seize the time kick the fascists in the ass. <laughs> you know, uh, they was making that connection between theory and practice, theory and practice. You know, uh, that book, man, that book is very good. So like you, I would encourage comrades to read that. All power to the people.
Come on, Martin. That's my boy, Martin. I love Martin. <laughs> Mark Barton <laughs> golden nugget. I said that's a golden nugget for us. Yeah, yeah, big time. And we still, I mean, that, and look at what we got now. We, they, we got a thing called X-Bird. 
So that's people that live outside the suburb. White, I mean, white flight, white flight, and uh, I don't. We don't have we don't have white flight today because the community is essentially gentrified. No, no, no. That's okay, comrade. I was saying that white flight today is primarily the gentrifiers in our community. So they got a, uh, the white, uh, you know, so you got a black exploiter, you got a Latino exploiter, and you got a white exploiter. And those are the people that we have to deal with from a class perspective. And I just wanted to mention that, but go ahead on with the study, comrade. All power to the people. And that's what that saying that we use today. The whole world is watching. The whole world is watching. That's when SDS and they were in the streets. Uh, uh, what else? Somebody said they would like to speak. Yeah, as soon as we get through the, uh, uh, the program, we're going to open it up for uh, comrades to speak. As soon as we get through the program, comrades.
all power to the people. Ah, look at how Thurman. Mm. Um. 
all power to the people. And, 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 and you know what was crazy about that is it took the community to go inside and the pigs were so arrogant and excited about their recent kill that they forgot to even safeguard the building that they murdered uh, Fred Hampton and Clark in. So the Black Panthers was able for three days, three days, think about this, to take the community through that apartment to show how they murdered Fred Hampton deliberately in his sleep. They showed the bullet holes coming inside because the black, he said, the pig said there was a shootout. There was only one bullet that was exchanged by the Black Panther Party, and that was being held this way. A shotgun was being held by Mark Clark, who was in, uh, 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 who, who, who was visiting uh, Fred Hampton because he just got nominated as the captain of another chapter. So he was learning the ropes. Mark Clark was learning the ropes, and he was sitting on what they call uh, a century duty or revolutionary duty, because they used to sit at the door with the weapon. And when the pigs came in, they shot Mark Clark, and the, the, the bullet went straight up from the shotgun that he held. And they was able to prove that the, the Panthers didn't shoot at no police. They didn't have enough time. That there was a blitz. And, and I'm glad that the community was able to see how horrible a death that our chairman experienced, 21 years old, right next to his wife, who was pregnant at the time. The community was able to force Mitchell and the enemy government to admit to the truth 10 years later. But brothers and sisters, make no mistake, if they did it then, they would do it today. It's just a matter of pretense, a pretext. But go ahead, comrade.
Oh, Cal is too. Cool. Amakar Cabral. Uh, well, you better to hear me than see me. Um, yeah, I was going to clarify a point about uh, the Democratic Convention in 68. SDS pulled out. Uh, they were intimidated by the uh, threats from uh, Mayor Daley, and they pulled their organization out of the coalition, which left the Yippies and, you know, a few scattered other left groups and most of the people on the street were local Chicago youth and also um, supporters of Gene McCarthy, who was the anti-war candidate in the Democratic Party. So uh, most of the people that got arrested at Chicago had a Chicago home address. Uh, but yet they played it up in the media that we were professional outside agitators, you know, out to sabotage the uh, Democratic Party. When in reality, it was the masses who were 
pissed off with the Democratic Party for the continuation of the war in Vietnam, um, primarily. And also a lot of uptown youth were there. Um, and as for playing it down in the documentary, I mean, playing it up in the documentary, they actually played it down. When uh, we were chanting, the whole world's watching, the cops came at us chanting, kill, 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 kill. I seen that. I seen that. I seen that. They were hitting for heads. They weren't their nightsticks to push us back. They were trying to crack as many heads as they could. And I know I uh, uh, carried people to the aid station that I'm pretty sure were dead. You know, and there were a number of people that disappeared. You know from the hospitals and stuff. Uh, I imagine they ended up in the bottom of the Michigan River or the lake there, Lake Michigan. But uh, it was a heavy scene. And it had a lot to do with why SDS tore apart. Because uh, the fact that they chickened out at a key moment uh, really you know, uh, discredited the progressive labor party that was leading SDS at that time. I know Fred Hampton had some real choice words for us for progressive labor. Anyway, that's what I wanted to say. Oh, yeah, and, and I know they are following us on social media as well. And so can you see any questions uh, they pose? Oh, okay, okay. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we follow the chat. All power to the people. I guess you could go on to the video because I know that you have to get out of here for work and I have to uh, also get out of here as well.
Nah, I like how he got out of that. Good, Huey. That's right, Huey. That's right.
Mm. Oh, to the so I guess this is uh I'm gonna let uh comrade Rob take us out uh uh, uh with the instructions for next week and then I'm gonna close it out with a quote. In preparation for next week's class. Black Panthers, Vanguard of the Revolution, Fred Hampton, Power, Anywhere There's People. So go to those links, brothers and sisters, and study that. You're, you're, Rob, you're muted. You're muted. Uh, so uh, I want to say, brothers and sisters, uh, all power to the people, all power to the people, boots on the ground, boots on the ground. Let's serve the people. I'll see you next week, week three at the Hassan Shakur political education class. Let's invite our neighbors and friends. In fact, invite them to make popcorn and join this class and forget the NFL just for one hour. All power to the people. See you next week.